If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. I feel like I almost have to... uh... reintroduce the class since it's been uh, several weeks since we met and I know that um, there are some that would be in here that are traveling we've got at least four I know that have told me uh, and two more that uh, may be running late today Uh, Missy will be here in just a minute but we had a good trip we're back we got back um, Friday I think Friday around lunch or a little after lunch and so um, we had a good trip Uh, so what we've been doing in here on Sunday mornings is we are talking about uh, mindfulness and mental health, and we have, up to this point in the previous lessons, which again, it's been a little while since we've met, um, we focused on uh, some of the different types of mental health issues, like for instance, we talked about anxiety, we talked about depression, um, we briefly talked about PTSD, um, we talked about some Bible verses that can help us, like for instance, we talked about um, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, it says, your mind on things above. We talked about um, being still, so we, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. We talked about how uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and sound mind from 2 Timothy 1 and verse 7 and so forth, that kind of help us to see that God doesn't want us to be anxious all the time. He doesn't want us to have this sense of dread or worry. And uh, the Bible has a lot of great characters. And in, the, in these stories throughout Scripture, the stories are given to us so that we might learn from them. And so I wanted to uh, begin today just going through some of these characters with you. And I want to start with Job. So let's go to Job. Uh, and um, we'll start in chapter 1, but I want to kind of focus on several different verses in chapter 2. But let's look at uh, Job 1, and I want to begin at verse uh, 6. So Job is introduced to us the very first of the chapter, and uh, he says in verse 1, he's blameless, he's upright, he feared God, he shunned evil. And then in verse 6 it says, now there was a day, this is Job 1 and verse 6, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. So pause. So God is having a conversation with the angels. Satan comes to the meeting, if you will. And wherever this meeting is, it's not in an earthly realm. Because he says, where have you been? He says, well, I've been on the earth. I've been one side, the other side. I've been all over it. And now he's in the presence of God. So whatever this uh, meeting is, uh, he's, he's not welcome, but he has a voice. 
So this part of the story is where it gets really strange. They have this conversation about Job as if uh, he's the primary character of this meeting. They're they're just kind of going to talk about him and and what they feel about him. So verse 8 says, "Then Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you in your face, to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So uh, strangely enough, God uh, tests Satan. And he says, if you think that you can get him, Remember, Satan says, I want you to use your power, Lord. And God does not use his power. He allows Satan to use his power to destroy this man's life. And so he loses his children. If you know the story, he loses his property. Everything that Satan has outlined, God gives him power to take it. So he loses his property. He loses his money. He loses his children. Uh, So before we talk about Job's struggle, let's talk about why God allowed Job to struggle. So why do you think God, when Satan is trying to test God, God says, okay, if you think you've got everybody, let me show you one. And I bet there was more than one, but he says, here's one that I know you won't get. Why do you think God would allow, if God loves us, this is the multi, this is the question everybody asks. If, if we have a loving God, why does he allow suffering? If we have a loving God that cares for his people, why would he give Satan the opportunity to persecute Job? Anybody have an idea as to why? What are your thoughts? Does God love Job? Yes. Absolutely. But why does he give Satan permission? If he really loved him. <clears throat> yeah. So he knows. Right. And he's probably shown over and over again his faithfulness. Right. And being tested, he trusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knows that Job's going to overcome. Yeah. And something always, that we sometimes don't bear in mind as much about God is to him, our lives are just like a very quick dust in the wind kind of deal thing. Mm-hmm. And like his, and from his perspective, like we're, when people die, they go to be with him right. forever and stuff. And Joe, all the people around Joe who got killed, like his kids and whatnot, it's very sad for Joe. But from God's perspective, all of them are just going up to be with him. Right. They've been faithful, faithful members according to Joe because he'd be, he'd even be doing sacrifices for them and such. So yeah. So, yes, it's bad what happened to him, but they're dying going to be with God. From right. Perspective. And, uh, two, we don't want to downplay the, it's obviously a very sad situation, yeah. but when God takes, when God allows the children to die, and then again, this is, if you've ever lost a child before, uh, you can understand the struggle. But it says that they had a swift death. 
Notice it says that the four corners of the house blew in. So the four corners of the house basically exploded and the house collapses on top of all of them. So it happens very quickly. Now I know that still he's losing his children. It's an awful thing. But it happens very suddenly. And as you said, these kids are going to go to heaven probably. These are probably very, very good kids. You get the sense of that as you go through his defense in some of these chapters. And I know it's 42 chapters. It's a long book. Um, But the summary of it is no matter what Satan did to Job, Job still had faith in God. Um, He says a few things in this book that I would not say to God. There are some things that Job spits out at his friends that I would not say to my friends. Uh, You say things when you're angry. And you say things when you're frustrated. And that is... That's completely normal. But Job, he, he actually takes it up a notch. There are some things, like I said, if, if you're reading the book, you're going, man, why did he say that to God? He's like, you come down here and you tell me what you've done you know, to God. And God goes, okay, well, then let's talk. And Job can't say a word because he's in such shock that, that he doesn't know how to respond to God. I noticed that in quite a few characters, God talk to God like, Yeah, right. I don't right. I mean, Moses does. I mean... I, I still think it's funny that Moses gets two chapters for his calling. You know, there are like Jonah has like one verse and that's it. And he runs, you know, and then you've got other characters like Isaiah. It's like half a chapter of his calling. But all, all Moses does is complain, you know, hey, I'm going to take you and you're going to lead my people out. Yeah, I think you got the wrong guy. No, no, no. Jo- you are Moses. You are the guy. You're the one. I, I got a speech impediment. You know, I mean, he's like, okay, your brother's going to go with you. Ah, I wish you'd send somebody else. And he spends two chapters trying to, to tell God you got the wrong guy. But there are some times in scripture that people say things um, to God that, uh, again, I would never say, I hope that I would never say, but God understands Job's heart. And he realizes that, uh, and it's not just with the loss of things, the next thing he's going to lose is his health. And when you have terrible health issues, and it, it is a, uh, in Job's situation, it's a chronic thing for how long, we don't know. Uh, he just gets fed up with it. And then to make matters worse, he's got these guys he thinks are friends, and all they're doing is poking him, going, well, you deserve this. There's a reason why it happened. Your kids were terrible, and you were terrible, and your wife was terrible. And he finally has enough, and he just starts fighting him. Yeah. Right. He said while he was still speaking, right. came and said they killed all the camels and all this and that. Right. And while he was speaking, another one came up and said, You're something ours. So, did it all happen in one day? It did. It, it all happened. Yeah. In one day. Who could yeah. take that? I, a Job apparently could. How many I mean, days could you take that? <clears throat> Losing all, not one of your children. Right. All of your children. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you take losing just one, but then with all the other stuff that had it, I don't know how a person would do that. Well, I'd, and also, too, when you start thinking about all that he's going through, uh, there are many times in Scripture that stories play out, but we don't have the dialogue. All we have is a an overview of the story. You know, like Elijah in the cave. You know, there's just a brief little story, and we'll get into him uh, in a little bit, but... 
there are characters like David. There's glimpses of his 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 uh, mindset and his prayers and the psalms that he writes. But Job, we get 42 chapters, and this is the oldest book uh, that probably was written in the Bible. It may have been penned around the time of Abraham or a little after that. Well, Moses comes along many years after Abraham and he writes the law of Moses and he tells the story of the creation. So Job, uh, most scholars believe, was written before Moses was even born. And so this was passed around. Uh, this, is a, this is a character that Abraham would have known. This is an individual that a lot of the patriarchs had heard about. And you know how hard it is to preserve that much material in, let's say, just 1,000 B.C. Let's say 2,000 B.C. Let's say 4,000 B.C. This story would have taken place around 3,000 to 4,000 B.C. And it's preserved 42 chapters. Why in the world would God allow this book to be spared and used and reused and referenced and re-referenced. Jesus even references the book. Hey, so what do you think about that? I mean, it's, there's a reason why God wanted this story in the Bible. He wanted this story here. And I think the reason why is because he wants us to see that he understands our struggle. And he senses when we are anxious. And we have to just simply trust the process. We have to trust that for whatever reason this is happening... That he has my best interest. And there are times that you will suffer and you will struggle for months, some of us years, without resolution. And you think, and this is a str- I have this struggle too. I, I, there, I've, I've had some issues with my kids that I struggle with to this very day. And it hurts because you say, when is this going to be resolved? When are things going to get better? Well, Job sees a resolution. It takes a while, but he sees it. You and I might not even see it. So we have to trust that for whatever reason, whatever is happening, God will give me the strength to get through it. It's not trying to take away my problems. He's helping me live in those problems, dwell in it, survive it. It's not about God always granting every request. If, we, if God did everything we asked him, can you imagine if he answered every prayer with yes? Have you guys ever seen uh, Evan Almighty? Or no, what is it? Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. You know what happens when, can you imagine if everybody got a yes all the time? It would be, we would think we had control of God. Because I could tell him what to do and he'd do it. Everything I want. Yeah. And it would be bad for you because sometimes what we see as what we want isn't really the best thing for us in the grand scheme of things. If yeah. we got every answer, every answer, yes, yeah. the best of life may not ever come to us. And I think you're, you're asking me a question about why God allowed this to happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's, he, like you said, in a nutshell, it's he needs Joe's heart. Right. God searches our hearts today. He knows we can hide whatever's going on, but God knows. Right. He knows our heart. And he knows that it's true to him. What, what, would, what, is, what do you think is the most... If you're looking at the story of Job, what's the best part of it? What's the best part of the story? Would it be the last two chapters when he gets everything back? I think it's when he just continuously faces God, even through all of that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the best part. Yeah. Everybody told him to curse God. And right. 
The, the story's not recorded so that we can see at the very end everything works out. Because in our lives, sometimes everything's not going to work out. It's about God walking with Job through his pain. It's about surviving the storm to face another day. It's about being able to rest in the fact that even when I'm angry at God, he still listens. And when I get so frustrated with my friends that I don't want them around, they're still going to hang around. I have to learn in my pain, my anxiety, to push through with the strength that God gives. That's what, that's what Job is about. It's not about the survival at the end because not everybody gets that good scenario. Moses doesn't get it. He's not even allowed to go to the promised land. Can you imagine 40 years in the wilderness and then God calls you at 80 and says, now I need you to go lead all these people out into the wilderness. And so he takes another 40 years. He's over 100 years old walking around the desert writing books and doing funerals. And he messes up one time and he's not allowed into the promised land. He's allowed to see it, but he's not allowed to get in. And so we think, well, Moses is this great character. He had his struggles too. It was not about... Uh, Moses' glorification. It was about getting the children of Israel to where God promised them they could be. And um, we, we often like the good news at the end. We want to hear the, well, I want to have a happy ending. And we do that with movies. You know, we, we watch a movie and it's just like it all wraps up so beautifully. And the songs we listen to, they always got to hit that chorus one more time, you know, and it all ends just so beautifully. We have the wrong misconception about life. Life is not about a happy ending here. It ends in death. There's nothing we can do about that. It's about what comes after death. And we, and we do. We focus on ourselves. We focus on the pain. We focus on, but instead we got to focus on God. He gives us the strength. We'll survive it. And if we don't, that's okay. That's a hard way to look at life, but yeah. I was just going to say when you were asking about the, the thing that's always, that I always keep repeating about Job, that I always find just comforting, is just that Job throughout does complain, does, is in pain, obvious mourning, is angry with God, and mm-hmm. talks and says all these things. And at the very end, God does chastise him a bit, a bit or tells him, okay, I'm here, I'm yeah. talk to you. <laughs> but but still, it's like, but at the end, it's like, Job, when God is saying who, he, who needs to be asking for forgiveness, he's like, y'all need to ask Job to do sacrifices for you, talking about his friends, right. for you, because you've been dead wrong. Right. But it's not like he's telling, but he doesn't tell them. It's like, Job, you're fine. Right. It's understandable that you've been complaining all this time. I'm, I'm here, I answer you, you, should, you right. should know I'm in control, but you didn't do anything wrong. Right. Instead. I think, too, that's another missed part of the story of Job is, when God gives it to the friends. You know, because the friends are sitting there, and, and, and really it gets worse when, I think Elihu's the last one where he comes in, and, and he's the young guy. These other guys are probably older, they're friends, but this young guy comes in, and he's like, I got all your answers, Job. And, um, and then God rebukes them. It's almost as if he encourages Job to forgive them before moving into the next phase of his life. And... Uh, you know, and, and another thing, too, is in all of his accusations and all of his frustration, in the first stage, it says in verse 22, for chapter 1, that in all this, Job didn't sin. He did not sin. He never sinned. Uh, man, uh, can you imagine losing every child you have, every one of them? Can you imagine losing all of your money, your house, your uh, your animals, your livelihood, 
everything you have is gone in one day, and he didn't sin. Uh, I don't know that that could be said of most of us, because we would be so angry at God, so hurt, um, so frustrated, you know. Have you ever seen people, they get so mad, their face gets so red, you just think they're going to explode? I don't know how, I don't know how Job got through day one. Forget day two. I don't know how you get through day one. How do you do that? And he never, he never charged an offense to God. He never said, God, this is your fault, or why have you done this to me? He, he simply says in verse 21, you know, I came into this world with nothing. I came in naked, and I, and I guess naked I'll leave. You know, God gives and God takes away. Yeah. Well, God takes everything and everybody away. He's left with God. Right. That's all he's left with. So he turns to God. He, he knows he's going to carry, carry him through. Right. But all through, throughout, the, you know, throughout the chapters, Job does question God. He does as it goes forward. And he goes forward and he does question God. No, he doesn't say, God, you're wrong. Right. He does do it. He go, and, you know, none of us should do that. Because, again, God knows everything and God's in charge of everything. But I think one thing, you know, a couple of things this book shows is one that we can question God. Yes. We can just, we can say, God, why is this happening? Right. Not your, your you know, because God doesn't allow anything bad to happen to us. Right. He doesn't do it himself. Doesn't do it himself. That's himself. correct. Yeah. He allows it to happen, maybe, but he doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. Okay. I might allow my girls to make mistakes and live, you know, and get rock bottom, but I'm not going to make them do it. Right. Okay. And I think God does that sometimes. Each one of us, God allows us to go through bad times so that we can strengthen. Right. I mean, you're asking all I go about what's the best part of this book. I, I, I wonder sometimes which one of us sitting in this room or sitting in this church building, attending whatever. Would God be able to sit back if Satan came up, came and said, "Hey, I want to, I want to get Stephen. Yeah, let me have a chance at it." Right. Would God say, "I know he's going strong enough. Go for it." Mm-hmm. Which one of us, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a big deal. I mean, he knew mm-hmm. Job was strong enough to take care of this. Right. But Job was strong enough. Yes, he knew. He knows everything. God knows all things. He knew that Job was going to get mad. Yeah. He knew that Job was going to question God. He knew that he was going to have his friends being idiots. He knew all these things. Yep. But he knew that Job would never turn and cut and, and you know, curse God. Right. He knew that. Does he know that or not? That's a good question. I, I, I can imagine, uh, you're, you're right on the money, is how why, God allows it. But how come we don't look at our problems like, like a Job situation where God has allowed it only because I have such strong faith. This Job's testing is about Job's faith, that he believes in God and he believed God will walk through it with him. So we can, day one is horrible. I don't know how you survive day one, but he survives it. The problem is, as the book plays out, is that pain does not go away. That suffering, that anxiety never leaves. And the longer people, and I, and I say this, and I say it as a counselor too, you know, the, the, the statement that time heals all wounds is a lie. That is a lie. Sometimes people say, well, it's going to get better. It may not get better. Our, our mindset is, if our mindset is, well, 
in a few weeks, in a few months, I've had people come to me and say, you know, when they're going through grief, they say, how long do I have to deal with this? How long is this going to hurt? And I say, there is no limit to it. In fact, if you lose someone that you love, that, that emptiness, that hole inside of you will remain until the day you die, until you're reunited with that person, hopefully in eternity. That, but that hole, what God does is he comes in and he fills it and he gives you the strength to get through day by day. And he does that with Job. Uh, Job's health, the second stage of this, he, he harms his body. I mean, he's, he's literally in a garbage dump picking off boils of his skin with broken pottery. So imagine like you're so destitute that nobody's taking you in, you know? And in this day, if you had calamity, they thought it was contagious. So nobody, no, nobody, Job's friends, you see that? They'll come out and tell him about how, what a dog he is, but they don't take him back to their house and put him up. They're not his real friends. Real friends will take you in. They will share your pain. They'll cry with you on the couch. They'll bring you Kleenexes. They'll bring you soup when you're sick. They ask you, what more can we do? If you lose your home, they take you into their home. These guys don't do that. And there will be people that will talk to you through your pain, and you think they're helping. You think that they're there to benefit you, but they're not. There are people that are in our lives that are simply there because they like the drama. They like to watch it. They like to, they like to, in fact, sometimes they like to contribute to it because it makes them feel better about themselves. And Job's friends do exactly that. And that's why this book is in our Bible, 42 chapters of it, is that Job had to learn his friends he couldn't rely on. He couldn't rely on his money. He couldn't rely on his animals. He couldn't rely on his, even, his own children. The only thing he could do was trust in God. And that's why he survives to fight another day. Um, and so the best part, like I said, is not at the end when everything works out, uh, because the pain is still there. I don't care if you have 10 kids, 15 kids, 20 kids, and you lose them all and God gives you 10 or 15 or 20 back. It's not the same. It's not the same. Um, Luke, when we lost uh, a child between Luke and Seth, uh, Luke kept saying, um, well, don't worry. God's fixing him. God's fixing him. He's going to send him back. And then we had Seth. And so he was like, oh. God's fixing him. You know, sometimes I'm like, no, you need to fix him a little more. But no, I'm just teasing. But the, the fact of the matter is, we, that's the way Luke saw the world at his little age, at three years old, is that God's going to fix the child and he's going to send us into the child. But it is not that child. Um, so the pain that we go through, the hole that's inside of us is not ever filled by receiving something back. If you lose your home, you lose your car, you lose your job, you lose your child, you lose all your animals. It never is the same. You can't replace those things. But what you can do is allow God to fill the void and give you the strength to move forward. And then Job's story is in the Bible because it's a story that we relate to. You know, we don't like it. It's painful. It's, it's tough to read through each chapter. But God is saying, just let, just trust the process. Trust me, trust me. And God has way more faith in us than we have in ourselves. Way more faith in us. He knows that we can endure the trial. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit today, is that we ought to have the strength to get through whatever happens. And there are times when things happen in my life, and I'm sure in yours, that I'm going, I'm so glad that you have this faith in me, but would you just dial it back a little bit? You know, could, could, could you just not, could it not be all at once, you know? And unfortunately, that's the way Satan works. Once he sees an opportunity to pounce, he will kick you while you're down. And you will say, it can't get any worse. Oh, yeah, it's going to get worse. 
it's going to get worse. So um, all we have to do is look at the story and go, man, he was anxious and he had these problems, but ultimately God never left his side. And, and when he does get to the opportunity to have the audience and God says, hey, where were you when I created the world? Um, mm, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> where were you when I created Behemoth? Where were you when I created the dinosaurs? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have an answer to God's questions other than just, okay, I'm sorry. He's without words in God's presence. Um, but God was with him every single day through the whole thing. Uh, another couple of verses to consider. Again, chapter 2 and verse 1 is the angels are meeting again with God. And here comes Satan. And he says, well, you know, yeah, you told me he couldn't have his body. Well, let me have his body and he'll turn. And God allows him. Uh, he says in verse 5, stretch out your hand now. Touch his bone and his flesh. And he'll surely curse your face. We, we talk about the boils, right? Because the boils are part of it. Satan struck his bones. His bones. God gave Satan permission to strike both the inside and the outside of Job's body. And so if you've ever had your bones ache or your muscles ache, the pain that is seen on the outside with the boils is just a smidgen of the real pain Job had to endure inside, inwardly. So we say, oh, he's sitting there picking up the boils off his skin, but it says he gets struck from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, verse 7. And every single part of his body, you know, I've had, I've had um, scars before and I've had, uh, you know, I'm a real, I'm a, I'll tell you, man, Misty can tell you, I, I, scabs just do not, I, I can't help it. I don't know why, but I, I'll scratch them off. You know, I just, I can't help it. I'm like a kid and I hate it. I hate it. I got scars because I, you know, I see it like, man, that's just like, you ever have those? It's like half of it is, it's got a little crack in it. Well, I'm like, let's just get it all off and put some this morning and start over. And for whatever reason, I can't imagine having these boils from the top to the bottom. And that's just the outside pain he faced. God told him he could touch his bones, his flesh, everything inside of him. Uh, and when you are that miserable, the last thing you want is a sermon. And he gets three of them. Three guys show up and they are going to spend the next few days making him even more miserable. And the hard part is he probably couldn't walk from the soles of his feet. He couldn't go anywhere else. He's sitting in a garbage heap. He can't go anywhere else. And these guys are going to sit there and say, why don't you just, why don't you just admit it? You, you brought this on yourself. And sometimes people will do that to us when we suffer. They'll go, well, uh, you know, you're finally getting what you deserve. Or, well, if you if you had listened to my advice, if you hadn't done this or that, then it might be better. And you you have to, in your pain, sometimes you have to be alone. You have to get to the stillness where... Those voices are not going to help you. Pick your friends very carefully when you're going through pain. Um, sometimes the, the individuals that are around you are not going to bless you. Uh, they are there, as I said, for the drama. Uh, there are people in Jesus' day that were called, they were paid weepers. They, they were paid weepers. There were people in Jesus' day that you could hire. It would be like a funeral home going, what can we do for you? And you say, I'd like some professionals to come in and cry with me. That's what they did. That's what they did in Jesus' day. And there are times Jesus interacts with them. You know, like the girl that he's, oh, she's asleep, she's not dead. And the weepers are sitting there laughing at him. They're paid to come in and cry. 
And, and these guys feel like they can be a counselor. And, and so you can use too many words. Uh, on the flip side, not Job's perspective, but from the friend's perspective, you don't have to give a lecture. And you don't have to convince somebody that this all has happened for a reason. You don't have to tell somebody, Romans eight twenty eight, God's going to work all things together for good. The best thing you can do, the best thing that his friends did with him was set with him. That was the best thing they did. And, and then it says Job opens his mouth. And when Job opens his mouth in chapter 3 and verse 1, and he starts to complain, the friends jump in. But the best thing you can do sometimes with people is just sit and cry with them. You don't have to say anything. Just hug them, cry with them, tell them you're praying for them. You don't have to say, and I, I think I mentioned, I don't know if it was in this class, but a previous one. I've seen, I've seen and heard some crazy stuff at funerals. I mean, just some just boneheaded, idiotic, hateful, not, they don't know it in the moment, but just awful things people will say. And you just, I wish that there was some way we could have some kind of a course. Uh, I, I took a class in college called Silas is Golden, and um, it was a part of a seminar. And they talked about the way that we are perceived when we try to give advice when someone's in pain. And uh, I've heard people say, you know, well, you're young, you can remarry, or you can have another child, or you can, you know, it's okay, it's going to get better, and just imagine, and no, that's, those are not things to say to somebody in their pain. The best thing you can do is just sit there with them, and cry with them, and pray with them, and hug them. Don't say it's going to be all right. You don't know that it's going to be all right. You don't know, what I know what you're going through, I've been there. No, you haven't. You've dealt with it in your own way. You say, well, somebody who loses somebody that they love, you go, well, I've been there. I've lost a parent or a spouse or a child or whatever. I've been there. I've done this. Yeah, but your situation is different because maybe your parents are gone. They've passed away and you don't have anybody there with you anymore. That person who says, oh, I know. Well, they had six kids and the parents lived next door to the house. You know, so, I mean, you, you had a, a circle around you. You had a good, strong church family. You had everybody's different. And so your pain is going to be different. Your, your struggle is going to be different. And, um, and sometimes people say, well, at least you had time to say goodbye. I've heard that with people in hospice. Oh, my goodness. Can you, I mean, it's time as a chaplain for hospice, I, um, they have professional weepers. I would have loved to have been a professional slapper. I would have just slapped the snot out of some people. Because I heard somebody say, you know, well, at least you got to say goodbye. You know, you've had these months to sit with them. And no, they've watched them slowly die for weeks. How dare you say, well, this is a good thing for you. Or if somebody loses their life very quickly, you say, well, maybe they were going to go through something later in life and God was sparing them from that. Don't say those things. Don't, don't say nothing. If you, if, you can, if you can do it, just don't say anything. Just, just hold their hand, cry with them, tell them you love them, tell them you're going to be praying for them. I'm here when you need me. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be lifting you up in prayer. That's all you need to say. Anything else can, um, it can be, it can be perceived as bad. A, a great, another example, a preacher friend of mine, he, he, um, I do this too. Sometimes when I do funerals, I will take the Bible from the person that passed away and I'll use their Bible notes and stuff to, to preach the sermon. I actually preach it from their Bible and say, you know, he wrote here in Psalm 23, this, or, and it's really good. It works. Most families love it. Well, this preacher did the same thing, but when he finished the sermon, he takes the Bible and he hands it to the only daughter there. And he goes, now I pass this on to you. And she just breaks down and she says that devastated her. And he's like, I'm just trying to be nice. Like I was just trying to 
even simple gestures sometimes can be taken the wrong way. So just, you don't have to say anything. You really don't. Um, if you ask for words of wisdom, I'm going to tell you, just love them, pray for them, hold their hand, hug them, and stay close by so that you can smack somebody if they say something wrong. I'm teasing, but you know what I mean? Just, just don't, don't allow that to happen. Yeah. Um, just uh, I mentioned, we've talked about how God has a lot of faith in us for sometimes he'll allow these things to happen. But, mm-hmm. uh, but something to also bear in mind is if it feels like we're going to be overwhelmed or that we just can't deal with it, we need to also allow for that maybe God is hoping for somebody to help us out and to bless and to right. reach out and to come in and help help right. us. So we should we shouldn't be trying to just bear it alone. Right. Which is what I'm trying to say. Like even if yeah. even if God's allowing it to happen, that doesn't mean you have to just deal mm-hmm. with it all by yourself. Right. You can if you feel you're being overwhelmed or you need help, you should still you definitely need to reach out and try yeah. to get it if you need get it if you need it. Yeah, definitely. And and reach out to people who have walked a similar path. Mm-hmm. Um because God may be wanting them to do some good work on there. Right. Yeah, you, part of things he well. can use, he uses Job's story and has for centuries, but he can use our story to help other people. But you can't think of it like that in that moment. You can't think, well, because you're not thinking rationally. You're so wrapped up in your pain. It's kind of like uh, I knew a man who um, fell in the yard and completely broke his ankle. Uh, and he just grabbed his foot and, went, and put it back in place. And I thought, how did you do that? Like, and he says, well, I was in the military and I've seen guys do it. And I guess I just reacted. Um, sometimes we do things. We just out of adrenaline rush or, um, and so in our pain, sometimes we will say and do things that just, I've watched people who have, when I've went to talk to him about losing uh, one man, he lost his child in the car accident and he ran out into the front yard and started clawing in the dirt digging a hole. We couldn't stop. You couldn't stop him. He's just digging a hole, screaming and digging a hole and digging a hole and digging a hole. And I mean, his fingernails are coming off. He just, he just, cause he's so mad. This is his only son, his only child and just a terrible loss. And he's just out there clawing the ground. And sometimes people do things, but the, you know, you, you look at it and you go, I don't know how I would deal with that in that particular situation. I might do something similar. I don't know. Cause I'm not there. So in, when someone's in the middle of pain, the last thing they need is a sermon. The last thing they need is, is a persuasion that, you know, God's going to use your story. He's going to use you to do good. Uh, another example, we had a, a friend that had a child they lost at, at St. Jude. And, and they said, well, you got two other kids, you know. And I'm like, don't, why do people say things like that? Why do they? Uh, and that's what Job's friends are doing. They're, the, they're, they're horrible counselors, miserable counselors you are. I mean, it's just, it, it's just. Um, the best thing that they could do is just set, just set with him. And then uh, a couple more thoughts. Verse 11 says, Now when Job's three friends heard of his adversity, they came upon him. Each one came from his own place. That, that's, that's key. These guys had a home. They had a place. Why didn't they take Job home? Why didn't they take him back home with them? Uh, and it says that uh, they made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. They got together and said, hey, let's go help him. And so they, their help is not helpful. Their help is actually hindering, discouraging. And so uh, there's a, any other thoughts? Because we're not going to have time to get to Moses today. But any other thoughts about Job before we conclude in our time together this morning? Was he age limited to 140 years or was that 
I think that's after that. Yeah, I think he, this is the time of Abraham or around that time. Um, so he could have lived many years, many years. And he, if, if like Abraham and Sarah or uh, other characters that lived right about that time, they were living over 100 years easy. Moses does, you know. So it's a long time to live with the struggle. Yeah. Just, I think you already touched on it, but there's also an element of Job never finds out why all this is happening. Right, right. He never does. And that's similar to our situation. We'll probably never know until maybe we get to heaven, although right. we may not care at that point. Right. Why things happen to us. And it's like part of the message of Job is like you were saying, just you need to trust that whatever's going on, that God is in control. Right. And that there is hopefully reason for this, but you may never know. And it's just something we have to, this is going to sound bad, but it's just something we're just going to have to deal with while we're in this life. And our question usually is why, and my question is why not? You know, why, why hasn't this happened to me before? Why, why, why have I been sheltered and protected so long? Why, why is it that I haven't had the same struggles that other people have? My pain is different from other people's pain. Why not? I mean, this is a world full of sin. Our, our expectation, like Job, may be, well, he's got a bubble around me and he's going to protect me. Well, the, the more you walk with the Lord, the stronger your faith is, the more that God will allow the devil to test us. And it's only because he knows we'll turn to him. He has much more faith in us. I think about 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. You know, he'll always provide a way of escape. That way of escape is what we usually look for. It's kind of like as soon as trouble comes, I want to hit the door running. You know, I've been, I've been there before where you're around somebody and they're talking about something and you don't want to be there and you start voting with your feet. You know, you're... Just get me closer to the door. You know, we have key words, Misty and I do, when we're in public. I shouldn't say that, but we do. We have key words, so we know Don't when... Don't name the word. I won't name the word. <laughs> but we have a couple of words that we will drop that when we say that, that means we are... Help me, you know, let's get out of this situation. Let's go somewhere else. Or just being aware of the situation. You know, pay attention. Something's happening that you haven't seen. So you, you kind of turn your alert on. But we do that with kids. You know, kids have keywords. You know, they tell you, you know, have a code word, a keyword you can call on the phone and say something. And then everybody knows, all the family knows that's a code word for come and get me. Um, those are good things to have. Uh, when these problems come up, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says God will provide a way of escape. But what happens if we want to run for the door all the time? What, happen if, what happens if we keep saying, God, I don't want this. I don't want to deal with it. Sometimes those things will repeat themselves. And uh, if our objective as a Christian is to stay away from fire, then we're never going to fight the devil. Sometimes being in the fire is part of the faith. And that when those problems come, it's because of our faith, not in spite of it. It's because we're strong. God is saying you can be even stronger. I've got faith in you. Um, well, and also it made me think of Romans 5, 3 and 5, 3 through 5, like um, the tribulation yeah. producing perseverance, yes. which leads us to hope. And so That's right. Sometimes we don't need everything to go just our right. way. Yeah. It's not always smooth. All right. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, next week, we're going to cover Moses, and we may cover David if we have time. So read Exodus 3 and 4. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.